Hey, sometimes it's just right here. You know, it's whatever it takes to get him up there. Oh, the drugs up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's better than being drugged. Amen. Well, it's good to be in church tonight. Amen. Good to see you. Glad to have Amy here tonight with us. Amen. Are there are there any prayer requests? Any prayer requests? Okay, unspoken requests. Miss Charlotte. Okay. All right. Anybody else got any that's unspoken or spoken? Either one. Hey, I went through all those tests Monday and Tuesday. Um, she's back home and she doesn't want to it. But um, they said everything she's doing is the only thing that she can do. Yeah. And it's just a waiting process to see whether her body will mend itself or not. Mm. Okay.
Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my rapture soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that grew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. Amen. Turn over three more to number 60. Number 60, the way of the cross leads home. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of life in the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights of life, where the soul is at home with God, the way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. And I bid farewell to the way of the world to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come, and I seek my home where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Amen. Wasn't that good, though? We know we're on the right path. Amen. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our Amen. Who for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame. Amen. He endured it. Praise God. He endured it for you and I. And God, and he sat down now at the right hand of the Father. All done, all finished. Praise God. But tonight, amen, take your Bible, turn to Proverbs, the seventh chapter. I have not been looking forward to this one, especially in the sense of how we seem to have been on a trilogy about the same sin here lately. Uh, I didn't intend to preach on uh, adultery and whoredom last Wednesday night, then turn around and First Thessalonians chapter five, um, chapter four hit us, 
make us have to end up talking about fornication and the, the sin that they were guilty of in Thessalonica. And I turn around and come right back up here on Wednesday night, and we got a whole chapter on this. And I just decided today as I begin to look at this, I'm just going to run through this chapter. I've done had an, I, I think we've, we've hit this enough, uh, especially for a church that's full of folks that's all over 40. Amen. And some of us, most of us, all over 50. Huh? <laughs> all right. I won't talk about how old everybody is. But anyway. All right. But anyway, but here's the thing. As I've said before, we're living in a wicked world. We're living in a world full of young people that are growing up in this wicked world who, who have never grown up in an age that was more innocent. They've just born into this into this cesspool that we that we are existing in at the moment. That we're we're just existing in because we this ain't the world we grew up in. But it has become the world we have to live in. And I can tell you the word of God is so crystal clear. The word of God is so uh is so truthful, so helpful and, and uh you know let's just let's just pray and get into it tonight. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, for Lord the fact that you don't leave any stone unturned. Lord, you address you address things we don't even want to talk about. And Lord, I know We'd rather just skip right over this tonight and move on to something else. But, Father, you put it in there so it's for our edification. And it may not be for us, Father. It may be for somebody else. And, Lord, we're just vessels to carry this to somebody else, to give it to them, Lord, to help them in their hour of need. Lord, we're to use it, Father, to as a warning to instruct the, the uh, young men and young ladies in our life Lord, to the path of righteousness that neither one of them wind up on either of these paths we're going to discuss tonight. Father God, help us. Help us to focus our attention not on not on things around us, but on the people that you've given us to be stewards over. Lord, that we don't. Uh, Lord, that we be gatekeepers. That we not just open the gates and let them go wildly off into the fields of sin, but Father, that we put up firm gates and and let them know that don't pass this line. There's danger on the other side. Oh, God, please help us. I pray tonight anybody who might listen in, whether they listen by way of the Internet or they listen on uh, Facebook or listen on Blog Talk, either one. Lord, I pray, however they find this message, Lord God, I pray that it reaches the one who may be dabbling with temptation, the one who may have have been skirting around uh, places they shouldn't be. Father, I pray, Lord, the one who may just be rolling around the idea in their mind, Father, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would take the message and head them off at the pass and show them the dangers and the ugliness and the vileness of the sin. Lord God, help me to preach. I I want to preach what you want me to preach, and Father, I want to say it the way you want it said. So tonight I ask Holy Spirit of God, take over me. Take over my mind, my heart, my, my, my lips. Lord, everything about me, speak through me tonight what you want said and nothing more. And help me to do just that. And I'll give you all the praise and the glory. I thank you tonight for using me. I thank you that you've got me as your instrument. Holy Ghost of God, give me unction and power tonight as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I just want to get straight off into it, and let's hit the ground running, and we'll see. we got 27 verses, and I think we can make it just fine. But uh, anyway, amen. Here we go. All right. Solomon, again, Solomon... As, as we've learned as we've been going through the book of Proverbs, he's warning his son. He's warning Rehoboam against the evils of the world. 
and in hopes that he'll listen and hopes that he'll follow. The sad reality is that he did not. He did not listen to his daddy. He listened to all his his buddies he hung out with, and he went wrong. But but it did not mean that the daddy his daddy was wrong to give him all this wisdom. And thank God he put it in and he wrote it down. Thank God we have it in the Word of God because we need it. Amen. There ain't nothing in the Book of Proverbs that you don't need. I can assure you of that. I have known preachers who have defended themselves in a court of law simply by using the book of Proverbs. Amen. And one. Amen. Uh, listen, I, I'm thankful for this book. It's one of my favorites in, in the Word of God. Uh, but chapter 7, he says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Again, the same, the same uh, uh, encouragement over and over to, uh, to, to let these let the word of God sink down. Don't just take it and let it pass before your eyes. Memorize it. Study it. Hide it down in your heart because there's going to come that hour. There's going to come that day when you're going to need it, and it's going to be there for you to have. Amen? He says, keep my commandments and live. What's the opposite? Reject my commandments and die. Amen? God, God's way is the only way. It's not the best way. It's not a good way. It's the only way to success. And he says, in my law, as the apple of thine eye. Y'all have heard that phrase a lot over your life, but do you know what it means, the apple of your eye? It means your pupil. It means that's what they used to call the apple of the eye, the pupil, right there in the middle. It means keep the law of God right in front of you. Don't don't think you can walk away from God's word and take a vacation on God and, and, and let your standards down for a while and it'd be okay. Because like I've said, you you don't know, you'll never stand still. You don't ever just get neutral. You always end up going backwards. You can't just push pause on your Christian life. It, it, it has to be renewed daily. That's why the Bible tells us that to renew it daily, to get in the Word of God, to renew our mind daily. We need to be washing our mind with the Word of God daily because we're letting, because, you know, the, our, our eye holes are filters, our ear holes are filters. Everything goes in and filters through us, and some things stick, and we need the Word of God to wash that jar that garbage that filth out of our lives, out of our thinking. Amen? He says to bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Again, to bind it on the fingers, that was the phylacteries that was referring to uh, the scriptures that were tied there. It was to remind them of what the Bible said. And he said, write them upon the tables of thine heart. That's, of course, memorization. And he said, say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. Okay, what in the world is he saying there? Well, if it's your sister, you're not going to abuse her. She's your sister. You're going to defend her honor. She's your sister. Amen? So he's saying, he says, say unto wisdom, thou art my sister. You won't, you won't discount wisdom if you look at wisdom like your sister. He's saying, that, that's, that's close to me. That's kin to me. That's dear to me. Amen. He said, and, and you know what? So you wouldn't abuse that that relationship. You wouldn't abuse that relationship that you have with wisdom because it, it's near and dear to you. He says, call understanding thy kinswoman again. Somebody you're not going to take advantage of. Somebody you're never going to look at in a in a in a in a, in a, a, a wrong way. Somebody you're going to want to protect and stand up for. He says. That's the way you ought to handle wisdom and understanding. These are precious to me, and I'm never going never gonna to abuse them. Amen? That's the way Solomon is saying, son, you need to understand 
that understanding is what you need. It's not for you to go out and try everything the world has to offer. It's not to go dip your toe in the waters of, of every sin you can find to dip your toe in. No, son, you're, you're, you're best off if you'll just listen to what God's Word has to say and you'll look at it as precious and holy and something that you're never to tarnish. Okay, well, here it is. That they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. All this for just some old gal? Yeah. All this for just some old gal. Again, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Who is the strange woman? The strange woman is anybody that's not your wife. Doesn't matter if she's somebody you've known for years. Doesn't matter if she's a friend of your husband. It don't make no difference if it's your next door neighbor. If she's not yours by holy matrimony she's a strange woman to you and therefore she's to be treated as such and he says especially the stranger which flattereth with her words again there is there's well you and i said this last time we talked about this but you take some old boy who he ain't heard nobody brag on him or talk about him being good looking he never i mean and, and but boy, some I mean, a, a woman look at him right and just and, and go to talking about it, how handsome he is, or and it just get a man from flustered. And there's danger there. God is saying, hey, you need to have enough wisdom to when somebody starts that, you need to have understanding. It's time to go. It's time to say bye. I got to get out of here. So sorry. Got to see y'all later. Make tracks. Get away. There's danger. Again, there should be an alarm in your mind going, ah, 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 danger, danger. Get away. That's what he's trying to say. And he gives us he gives us a, uh, a scenario beginning with verse 6. He says, for at the window of my house, I look through my casement. I stand in there looking out the window down at the street. And he said, I beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Now, I noticed some things right here. I noticed some things. He's looking down at a group of boys in the street. Okay? Now, he's telling his son this story because he wants to give an idea, paint him a picture of this particular type of woman that he's describing. And he wants to, and, and we're going to get a very good view of this woman. This is not the uh, painted streetwalker that that uh, you know maybe he's talking about in other places. This is this is not typical you know prostitute. This is a married woman. This is a woman that knows way better. This is a woman who to the world looks like a good upstanding citizen. This is a woman who, whose neighbors might not know she has this kind of a heart, but yet. I mean, it may appear religious to some, but yet in her heart, she's wicked. In her heart, she's full of lust, and in her heart, she's uh, apt to destroy some innocent young man who doesn't know any better. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We've seen this happen so many times, especially here in the last, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 years. We've heard so many. It started off with a woman named Mary Kay Letourneau, if you all remember that name, who, uh, who began a relationship with her 12-year-old student. And she got pregnant, and, and it was a long, drawn-out ordeal, court ordeal, and she went to prison, 
it, and uh, and you know it happened over here at, uh, at Chisholm. It happened. Uh, I, think, I think it happened at Prairie Land. I'm not sure. It, but it's happened in so many places where teachers have uh, had sexual relationships with their students, preying on the young and the innocent. And believe you me, I know all about those kind of things happening. But uh, but anyway, the kind of woman we're dealing with here, and you're going to see that. All right, he says. He says, I beheld the simple ones, among the simple ones. So, again, he saw a bunch of young men down the street, and these were just kids who obviously didn't have nowhere to be. They're just out there trying to see what kind of trouble they can get into. Uh, and, again, because they're simple ones, they ain't got no purpose. They ain't got no vision. They ain't got nowhere they're headed. They're just hanging out. And he said, I discerned among the youths a young man. So, he see, this is the young man among youths. This is one of the youngest ones because he's a young man among the youths. And he said, I discern this 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 young man, he ain't got a lick of sense. He's void of understanding. Nobody's ever taught him uh, danger. Nobody's ever given him warning. Nobody's ever took him under his wing and said, hey, young man, I want to give you some advice so you don't get taken advantage of. This is one that nobody ever looked out for. And the Bible says, now listen to it, it says passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. Now, why did he go down in that part of town where he might get himself in trouble? Because he ain't got a lick of sense. Ain't nobody ever taught him. Nobody's ever shared with him that you don't put yourself in a dangerous position or you might get hurt. You don't walk through a hog pen because you might come out of there stinking to high heaven. You don't lay down with dogs or you're going to get up with fleas. Nobody ever told him those things. And so he went down near her corner, it said, and went away to her house. Notice what time of day it was he was out fooling around. The young man, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. So he he had no business being out. Straight lights was already on. We know that by now. And he was a young man. If he had had any wisdom, if he had any understanding, he wouldn't want to be out after dark like that. But isn't that the way it is when young people, they want to go out and hang out after dark. They want to run up down the street and hang out and sit on parking lots and, and, and just hang out and talk. I know I was there. I did it myself. I sat on the parking lot in Bogota, Texas. I know all about it. And, and and I can tell you, I can testify this Wednesday night, there wasn't a good, pleasant, holy, righteous thing went on up there any time. And and and, and it wasn't, they hadn't been up there on Maribou Shopping Center in Paris years ago and, and, and up and down Lamar and wherever they did it here in Clarksville. I can guarantee you uh, what's going on after dark ain't, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. Y'all heard that your whole life, right? But, but we know that's true because sin happens in the dark a lot. That's why when you, it, it, I know y'all never been in a honky-tonk before, but, but I'm not going to lie to you, in my youth I have. And they turn the lights down low in those places. And those nightclubs and those bars, the lights are down low. And the reason is because people don't like to sin with bright lights on them. They like to sin in the dark where nobody can see it. And that's why he was going after dark. He didn't want to be seen. He's slipping around in the dark trying to commit sin. The Bible says men, uh, men love darkness because their sins, their deeds are evil. And so he's out there in the dark. And verse 10 says, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She had only the attire. i got to think about it. What is the attire of a harlot? Well, she's the opposite of a modest woman. 
So instead of trying to cover up what God gave her only for her husband, she wants to expose what she can for everybody. She's the opposite of a modest woman. And so she's 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 out there walking around. Uh, as, as one preacher said, probably ain't got on enough material to make a, a mosquito a good wrestling jacket. But, you know, she's out there walking around trying to show off and uh, and ain't got no business doing such as that. Amen. And the Bible says that she's subtle of heart, which means she's sneaky. She's clever. She's got a plan. She's going to trap somebody. You know, when a spider, we, we look at sometimes we see a spider uh, early in the morning, it's going to spun a web. And, man, it looks so pretty with a dew on it and everything. But let's not, let's not fool ourselves. That's for death. That thing is there for death and death only. It's not up there for us to take pictures of and admire. It's there to catch and kill. Amen? And exactly the same thing when that woman's walking down that street. She's not there to look pretty. She's there to catch and kill. Amen. That's right. The Bible said, and she, verse 11 says, she's loud and stubborn. Feet abide not in her house. You know, and here he is. He's slipping around. He ain't got enough sense to know what he's doing down there. She's, hey, baby, come here. Come here to me, baby. She's loud and stubborn. No, come here. Come here. You come over here. Now he's, oh, it shocked him in the dark. He didn't see her. And then she's, come over here. You come here. I mean, she's, she's, she's in control. She's, she's overwhelmed him already. She's loud and stubborn. The Bible says, verse 12, now she's without. She's now's in the streets and life and wait in every corner. In other words, once you get down that part of town, there's one on every corner. They sin everywhere when you get down the bad part of town at night where you ain't got no business being, when you ain't got no sense, because this man ain't got no sense. The Bible said, so she caught him. He didn't catch her. She caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face, that word impudent means she didn't have a lick of shame at all. Not a bit. With a face that had no shame, said unto him, now, now this is this is bizarre. I have peace offerings with me, for this day I have paid my vows. Therefore I came forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face and have found thee. What in the world is that talking about? Well, this is a Hebrew woman. And a Hebrew woman is described and will be subject to the law of Moses. And as God designed and once a month, a woman has a monthly cycle, and after that cycle, she would go into the temple and pay her vows, and, and, and it, it was for her purification. She went through a religious ordinance after that. That was the way God designed it and set it up. And she was saying to him, I've already, I've already done that. I, I, and she's saying, I'm a little bit religious. Think about that. She was religious enough to go down to the temple and go through the purification ritual and pay her vows. But she ain't so religious that she won't go and commit adultery as soon as she leaves there. There's a lot of people like that, y'all. Hey, I I'm telling you something. There's a lot of people who will show up at the church house and sing the songs of God and act like, oh, they're just the greatest thing that sliced bread, and they're so spiritual. But the night before, they was they, they that morning they woke up in somebody else's bed. They went out and honky talked the night before, but yet they'll go to church and get them a little Jesus and feel good about yourself the next morning. Now, I ain't telling you nothing to shock it, but that's the kind of world we live in. And that's the kind of, listen, there's churches who don't preach enough and ain't got enough, ain't got enough Bible behind the pulpit to, give it, to get anybody convicted, and that's why them people pile into those churches on Sunday morning. 
Amen. I'm telling you, that's hard truth, but that's reality. And she says, so I, don't, I, I got all my religious stuff took care of, so therefore came I forth to meet thee. Diligently to speak to thy face, and I have found thee. You was just what I was looking for, boy. You was just what I was looking for. And I notice what she says to him. Again, she's got no shame whatsoever. I've decked my bed with the coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. She's talking about her bed to this boy, to this young man. This is a kid, y'all. This is a kid. This is a young teenage boy who ain't, who, who I don't know, he couldn't be, he probably ain't more than 14, 15 years of age. And here's a, a, a grown married woman standing out there dressed provocatively, talking to him about her bed and what her bed looks like. God's given warning because there's so many people out there. There's so many that we live in such a lust-driven society, and we and and you've got young kids who've grown up on pornography. That, that's all they've known because that's all they've been talked about uh, since they've been a kid around other kids in school. They've grown up on it, uh, and and it's everywhere. And then you've got women who are who are who are like this woman here who are preying upon those young men. Now I'm not saying it ain't the same way the other way around because I know it is too. But we're living in a wicked day. And God's warning about this stuff. And listen, this wasn't modern day, y'all. This is back in Solomon's day. It don't make no difference what era you live in. Sin is still rampant. Sin is still the same. He said, I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. You know, you better be careful. Some of that stuff you embalm people with back in their day. That stuff they wrapped up, wrapped them up, keep them stinking after they died. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. She ain't talking about love. She's talking about lust. Let us solace ourselves with loves. But notice what she says in verse 19. For the good man is not at home. Rest your little old head, young man. You don't have to worry about my husband barging in and killing you. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. No, he's not here. He's gone away. He's off in a far country. He, he he went on a long journey. He's not going to be back anytime soon. He has taken a bag of money with him, and he'll come home with the day appointed. It's all taken care of. You don't have anything to worry about. Verse 21 says, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. See, he was just a kid. She was a grown woman. With her flatter, with her with the flattering of her lips. Now he's not without excuse. You can say, well, you can't blame the boy. I mean, he was just a teenager, and his hormones was all raging and out of whack, and he couldn't control himself. You could say all that, but you know what? He knew he was doing wrong, and she knew she was doing wrong. The Bible says in verse twenty-two, "He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth." To the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. You know, I used to work over at that slaughterhouse in Detroit, and they'd run them cows in that in that chute, and then they'd run up there, and and, and they keep they get them right up there before the kill door, and they they'd open them kill doors, and that bull he'd run right up in there, and snort, and look around like what, what are we gonna do up in here? And and then they raise them doors up, and he says, Oh, I'm in a bad place. There's blood everywhere. Cold room. Here in a minute, pow! Gets the floor. 
but he goes he goes in there like he owns the place. He stomps in there like, hey, I own this place. Pretty soon he sees it's over. God's given that picture of this young man who, who just runs straight like a, a ox to the slaughter and has no idea what he's headed for. The Bible says in verse 23, till a dart strike through his liver or a 22 bullet pass through his hemispheres of his brain. Either way, as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not, it is for his life. So many people in this world just running after their sin, to it like a ox to the slaughter. Solomon said, hearken unto me. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. You see, like I said the other day, it's all downhill when you take that path. It, 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 and it, and as, as, as you know, if you've ever ran downhill, once you get going, you get so going so fast, you can't stop. If you try to stop, you're going to fall flat on your face. You know, your feet get going faster than you can control them. And that's what happens when somebody takes this, this woman's path and when somebody takes this, this type of path. It, you, you, you go down it innocently. Oh, I, I can handle it. It'd be all right. You've been promised by them. Oh, it's going to be fine. Everything will be okay. Nobody will catch us. Nobody will, it's all going to be good. We'll have a load of fun and nobody will ever know. But don't you let nobody fool you. God knows everything. He sees everything. Nothing escapes his eye. And when our heart begins to take that downward turn, oh, my soul, it's, it's a wonder that anybody turns around. It says, go not astray in her path. You see, hey, now, I, I, it'd be all right. Ain't, ain't nothing going to happen to me. But you see, uh, once you take the wrong road, sometimes it takes you forever to find your way back. I can't tell you how many times I've, I hate GPS. I really hate GPS. I can't tell you how many times it said, take the next right. And I found myself on a back country road and had no idea where I was at and had no idea how to get back off of it because the GPS didn't work because I got out of the cell phone service and I couldn't find my way. Listen, that's the same way people get when they take a wrong turn in sin. They wind up down in some part of life they never intended to get to. They lose everybody in their family. They lose everything they've ever had, and they got nothing but heartaches and troubles, and they say, why, why, why? It's because you didn't listen. It's because you took the wrong path. You listened to the wrong person. They took you away from the ways of God. They took your heart down somewhere that you never intended to go. The Bible says, for she hath cast down many wounded Wounded? You weren't going to her to be wounded, but you were. You see, that night he went. Oh, it was all about excitement. It was all about it was all about lust and desire. But the next morning, the reality struck him. The reality of what he had done. The reality of this woman doesn't love me. I got to get out of her. Her husband's coming home. What if he finds out? What if somebody tells him what I did? And then the guilt and the shame follows him out of that house all the way back home. She has cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Slain, not just wounded, but slain. 
And that last verse is a doozy. Her house is the way to hell. Her house is the way to hell. Going down to the chambers of death. You know, God doesn't mince words. God doesn't play around. I can't tell you how many people I've known over the years who took her path. And I've I've seen their lives deteriorate. You say it's the way to hell? Yeah, it's the way to hell. How can it be the way to hell? Well it's it's sin. It's it's ungodliness and sin. And listen to me. The, you say, well, can a believer choose that path? Yeah, they can. But I'm going to tell you something. It won't take them to hell, but it will destroy their physical life. It will destroy everything in their life. It will ruin their spiritual life. And God will have to take them off of this planet in judgment if they don't turn from their sin. Why? Because it's... It, it's a it's a sin punishable by by death and going to hell. That's why. And, and, and in order for God to allow a believer to live like that would be saying, "Hey, don't worry about sin. God has to punish sin. God has to judge sin." It troubles me because I know how hard it was on me growing up in the 1970s and the 1980s as a young boy, and we, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all the temptations. I mean, you know, you had home home box office and Showtime and all that garbage, and and yeah, there was satellite TV and things of that nature. But it wasn't in your face. If you were gonna find that kind of stuff, you really had to try hard and work to get there. It wasn't easy at growing up in a small rural town. The access to that kind of garbage was not just everywhere. But oh, it is now. It is now. And it not only corrupts the minds of boys, but it also corrupts the minds of little girls. And it gives them an image that they're chasing. And I'm going to tell you, it ruins it ruins our young people. It, and, and it happens so early. It happens so early. Young people find this garbage so early, and their minds cannot comprehend what they're looking at. And once you've taught them some garbage like that, you can't unteach it. And it can haunt them for the rest of their life. And I'm saying this tonight to anybody that's listening to me. There's people listening on this device and this device all over this country. Protect your children. Guard their hearts and minds. Be careful what they're watching. Be careful what they're looking at. Be careful who their friends are. Be careful where they're going. And you say, well, if I do that, if I do that, they'll rebel. If you don't do that, they're going to be in a world of trouble. You do that and you pray to God and you ask him for his grace and mercy and his protection over your children. Solomon warned his son, and he didn't listen. Would to God we warn ours, and they will. Let's pray to God for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and our children. We pray for them that they'll stay away from this type of woman or that type of man. God help us. We need to listen. We need strong homes and families in this day we're living in. We need homes and families that will be an example for the rest of the folks around us. And we're going to have to train them. We're going to have to train up the next generation to love the Lord more than they love this old world. Keep their eyes off of the garbage that's spewed out at them everywhere. Pray for our, let's pray for our kids. Let's pray for our grandkids. Let's, let's stand together.
I'm gonna tell you something. The devil may be he may be he may be wound up, he may be throwing a fit, he may be uh, just causing a storm everywhere. But God is bigger than that. And I'm gonna tell you, if we if we will if we will get our hearts and minds and our lives focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can we can be a living example to our young people around us. We can show them something that they can follow. I say Solomon called his son, but you remember what happened to Solomon too. Solomon didn't stick by what he what he taught. He didn't stick by his guns. All his son had to do was look and say, Well, yeah, he said all that stuff, but he didn't stay by it. So you know what that tells me? We need to stay by the stuff. And we need not we need not grip from what's right just because this world is good. Let's stay by the stuff. Amen. And let's go to the Lord's Prayer and ask God's blessing. Brother Byron, this is tonight. Get ready, Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. Praise the Lord. Get ready to speak out there in the church. Thank you. Thank you.